Well, it's Wednesday, and you know what that means. Another edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Completely new crew for tonight's show, including myself in the captain's chair. My name is Liam Crowley, and I am joined by two amazing guests this evening. First, to my left, the man behind the machine, Wrestling Inc. founder and owner, Raj Geary. Raj, great to be back on the mic with you this evening. Yeah, great to have you back. Absolutely. And also joining us on tonight's show, to my right, the wonderful and multi-talented NYC demon diva Isa. Isa, lovely to meet you finally face-to-face. How are you doing down in sunny Puerto Rico? Uh, it's Life is great in Puerto Rico, the Caribbean. I don't want to leave. That's how good it's going. I love that. I love to hear that. I'm glad everyone's doing well. But before we get started with some news and some AEW Dynamite stuff, I did want to do a little This Day in History. We did it on Monday, and I think it went over well. So quick happy birthday to AEW ring announcer Justin Roberts. He turns 42 today. And a pretty big piece of news that technically happened today but didn't air until January 4th of 1999. That's Mick Foley winning his first WWE World title, defeating The Rock at a Raw taping December 29th. 1998 as i mentioned wouldn't air until january 4th and the result was spoiled on wcw nitro a move that massively backfired and as we know the rest is history raj do you have any memories from mick foley's first big title win oh yeah i remember um well i you know up until that point raw had been dominating nitro and i remember i think that was the finger poke of doom night was that nash and hogan on nitro you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> I'm forgetting. They had a big match on that night as well. And so I thought it was going to be, you know, close between the two. And then, you know, the ratings saw Raw dominate. And then, like you alluded to, how many hundreds of thousands of viewers switched over when they spoiled the Mick Foley uh, ending on Nitro? A bunch of people switched over from Nitro to Raw. And uh, they didn't do that again. <laughs> Isa, how about you? Any fond memories of that uh, episode of Raw? I remember watching it live. I I didn't watch um, WCW, so and I was in. I grew up in Puerto Rico, so I I didn't. I wasn't aware that it was spoiled. We just watched it live. I remember watching it with my mom, and we. She was happy. I wasn't. I I wasn't a big Mick Foley fan at the time, but I understood what the moment meant. Yeah, it absolutely turned the tide for the future of pro wrestling. Let's talk about some news going on in the world of pro wrestling. Raj, I want to go to you first. Some raw ratings have come in. How is Monday night stacking up against other shows we're seeing in the pro wrestling world? You know, all the shows did better this past week. Uh, Rampage aired on a Saturday, uh, a better time slot, but against uh, you know a bunch of Christmas stuff. They were actually number 26 for the night in 18 to 49. Uh, but you know, they had a lot of tough competition and, and their number was up uh, from what they've been doing on Fridays. Um, SmackDown, it did a little under 2 million, but that was on Christmas Eve. So, uh, you know, doing anything close to 2 million on Christmas Eve was, and it was, you know, another, another number that they should be really happy about. Um, and they were number two for the night. Uh, Raw this past Monday, it averaged uh, 1.592 million viewers and a 0.41 rating in the 18 to 49 key demo. So that was up almost 8% uh, from last week. And yeah, it's one of the best numbers they've done in like a month. So um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, despite all the shuffling around they had to do for a Monday night show, uh, the final rating actually turned out to be pretty good. 
Yeah, absolutely. Some promising numbers heading into Saturday's day one pay-per-view, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on in this podcast. But Isai, I also want to get your reactions to Raw's numbers. Do you think this spells well for future WWE uh, television events? I think that the same thing that affected Raw this week is what gave them more ratings. People are staying home. Things are not looking good and you have more people just trying to stay home instead of being out. You know, typically this time of the year, you do see a a drop in the ratings because we're all out celebrating and getting together. And that's not happening this year with things being so uncertain. So I can see all shows this week picking up a couple of extra viewers from people just deciding to stay home and kind of, you know, wait for everything to calm down a little bit with the spread of COVID. Yeah, you mentioned it pretty perfectly there. I I also wanted to to toss in the fact that as of right now, shows are still happening in front of audiences. And we do know they did take a significant dip during the Thunderdome era. And so as long as shows are able to have a live crowd there, as you mentioned, we could be seeing a spike in viewership. Raj, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say also NXT ratings came in and they did 662,000 viewers yeah. and a 0.16 in 1849. Those were the best numbers for that show since Halloween Havoc. So, yeah, it could definitely be uh, what Issa's saying, more people staying home. Um, so, but yeah, uh, just definitely better uh, better week for wrestling because you know the past few weeks had it kind of been going the opposite direction where you've been seeing the numbers drop. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into some news going on in the world of wrestling. Uh, Stuff that came out today, Sophie uh, Dofi also puts in a super chat talking about this piece of news in particular. Uh, Thank you so much always for for donating, Sophie. She donated a a ton this past Monday on Raw. And she mentions, with Tony Storm released, they don't have many faces to feud with Charlotte now. And yes, Tony Storm was released today. The word is from PW Insider and Fightful that she requested her release and it was granted to her. Storm comes off of a pretty big spot on SmackDown last Friday where she unsuccessfully challenged Charlotte for the SmackDown women's title. This ends her WWE tenure of just about four years where she did actually have some pretty big accomplishments. She's a former one-time NXT UK women's champion. She won the Mae Young Classic in 2018, and I think she was very close to being on the precipice of some pretty big main event status. But as we know, pushes in WWE tend to be very start-stop. Raj, I'll go to you first. Did this news take you by surprise, Tony Storm departing WWE? Oh, definitely. I mean, the, the fact that she was just wrestling at live events, I think, uh, last night or Monday night. Um, so, yeah, definitely a big surprise. I mean, she was, and, and by all indications, she she quit. It wasn't that she was released. So, or she, she I mean, she went and asked for a release. Now, WWE, as we'd seen in the past, if you ask for your release, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to give it to you. And in the past, they wouldn't. And now it just seems like they're like, you know, on top of them releasing people whenever they want. Um, now, if you ask for it, you, you you might get it. But yeah, it was a big surprise. I, you know, it, I thought it was odd that they had been doing the build for Tony Storm and Charlotte to just blow it off on a SmackDown. I thought that would be taking place at the pay-per-view. Um, but she was getting the biggest push of her WWE career so far, so... Uh, that that definitely did surprise me. Yeah, it definitely took me by surprise. Issa, I'll go to you next. What do you think Tony Storm's next move is going from here? Does she look to stay in the United States with an AEW? Or do you think she goes overseas with a New Japan, returns to the British indie scene maybe? What do you think Tony Storm has in her future plans? Um, 
I don't know because we obviously don't know the entire story here. Why it is that she requested her release? Was she creatively unhappy or is there other issues going on? You know, I do think that Tony Storm has the talent, the look to go wherever she chooses to go and have a very fulfilling career. I absolutely love her. I love her attitude. I I never liked how she was booked in the main roster. And even in NXT, I didn't think she was booked the same way she looked in NXT UK. And I was waiting for her to be holding some kind of gold in the main roster. I did think it felt amazing to see Charlotte feud with a fresh face on SmackDown. I just hated the feud, the cream, the pie, like all of that. Hated it because you have two talented women in there. You could have done, you know, a lot more. But whatever it is that she chooses to do, she will be successful because she's just that good. Yeah, absolutely. And she's one of those people, too, that I believe has the rights to her name, which I think will take her far in terms of bringing fans over from fans who enjoyed her work in WWE. Definitely felt like a lot to be desired, a lot left to be desired, that is. And I think that'll take her far wherever she goes moving forward. Sophie also brings up the fact that here's more matches between Sasha and Charlotte. If that's the case, you know, I mean, there's not many more people on SmackDown uh, worthy, I think, of, of feuding with Charlotte, at least in the title picture. Raj, uh, real quick, do you see any big faces on SmackDown that could challenge the Queen? I mean, I think they need to. I mean, I think Io Shirai could go up anytime. I mean, I think there's there's a bunch of Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, there's a lot of women they could bring up from NXT um, at any time that are ready. Um, you know, I think I think it's a big yeah, loss they- for Tony Storm, and I think they. I feel like they messed up the fact that she's been more or less there for four years and they haven't been able to find something to do with her in all this time. And she has a very unique charisma. Um, you know, she, she, she wrestles uh, great. I mean, she's fantastic in the ring and, um, and she can go. So I just feel like they, they dropped the ball on this one. Um, again, we don't know all the circumstances of, of why she requested her release. If something happened or if she was just, frustrated but uh I, I think it's a you know it's not something that's going to affect their numbers or anything but i feel like it's a, a a big loss to their women's division for sure isa any names in the smackdown women's roster that can elevate themselves into that top babyface role that you think uh could fill that role i mean we do have two currently MII missing champions in bailey and oscar that could come up at any time and be inserted into a main event title picture and nobody will complain about it so hopefully Bailey's healing fast and whatever it is that's going on with Asuka because I'm uncertain about it I would just hope to see her back on my tv soon very true well let's move on to some other news some wonderful beautiful news we heard today from Jim Ross's Twitter he has announced that he is cancer free he first announced his skincare uh, skin cancer diagnosis back in late October and he noted that he had this issue for more than one calendar year he's been undergoing treatments since the end of November and he has finally announced that cancer is no longer prevalent in his body he made his return to the AEW commentary table tonight on Dynamite Isa, I'll go to you first for this news. Just any reactions to Jim Ross being cancer-free? No, I'm just I'm so excited for him. Super happy to see him back. And what a pro! the The entire time he barely missed any show, given the circumstances and how long he dealt with this. So he's just he's just awesome, and he kicked cancer's ass. So we always celebrate that. Raj, how about you? Yeah, I mean it's fantastic news. Uh, it's great seeing him back. Uh, I'm. I'm not sure if he's ready to be back weekly, but just seeing him back tonight, uh, it just, when it's him, Tony and Excalibur, it just feels right. 
you know, uh, on commentary. So it's fantastic news and, and glad to see that uh, JR, you know, kicked cancer to the curb. Yeah, absolutely. I thought he he actually had a great performance tonight on Dynamite, a really great call alongside his two colleagues. Let's finish it up with some day one pay-per-view predictions. Day one is coming this Saturday, January 1st. The first time WWE is running a pay-per-view on New Year's Day. And we have a lot of hot matches, but just about every single one kind of has an asterisk next to it because we don't know until the day of the show, honestly, until the bell rings, if these matches are going to go through. I obviously point to the WWE title match between Big E, Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, and Kevin Owens. We know Seth Rollins tested positive for COVID. We're still waiting to see if he is going to be cleared to compete for Saturday. Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, we expect that to go through, but with Roman being immunocompromised, it's always going to be a wishy-washy situation. And then Becky Lynch versus Liv Morgan. Becky obviously being married to Seth, her being probably at greatest risk to contract COVID-19. Raj, I'll go to you first. Those are three of the biggest marquee matchups, but just in general from day one, do you have any big predictions for how this pay-per-view is going to kick off WWE's 2022? Um, I mean, they were looking at a big show and, you know, what they had planned just with, you know, Brock and Roman alone. And they are keeping Roman off of shows as a precaution to, to keep that match going. And, you know, WWE, they have... They've had bad habits before where they know someone's not going to be on a show and they don't announce it. So as of right now, the card seems intact and that's that's a big deal. But if it changes, I'd hope they'd let people know before the day of the pay-per-view. Um, but who knows if they will. But, it, <laughs> you know, I think it's a big show. Roman and Brock is the biggest match they had. It, it moved a lot of tickets once they announced that match. So, uh, you know, I, I've been looking forward to this one. Issa, I'll go to you next. What do you think is going to be the end result of WWE Day 1? Do all matches go as planned, or do you think there's going to be some reshuffling? I don't know. Um, I I have trust issues in the card subject to change ever since I was at SummerSlam and didn't get Bianca versus Sasha. Knew I wasn't going to get it, and they made us sit there until it was time for Sasha to come out, and they were like, wait a minute. So... Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I was actually thinking that I could see Seth Rollins actually winning the WWE title before this entire COVID situation happened just because of the work he's been doing lately. Um, so that's the one that I'm a little, you know, I want to see what goes on. If he can perform, I hope they just make it a triple threat. Um, but yeah, I don't see Roman Reigns losing the Universal title. So I'm very curious to see how I don't see Brock losing to him clean twice. So I have a feeling something's going to go on in that match. So I'm curious to see how it ends. Yeah, yeah. The as CDC, you mentioned they... too, I was going to say, as okay. you mentioned too, Sophie brings in another super chat saying what you just said right there. If Seth can't compete, make it a triple threat. Yeah. Yeah, the CDC, they've changed their guidelines on uh, when you can return, you know, the, the five days of uh, quarantine. Um, but, you know, with Seth, I would I would think once someone has COVID, you, you, you want to test them or risk getting your whole locker room and, you know, uh, infected. So uh, I think regardless of if he can come or not, you should make sure that he, you know, tests negative at least a couple times to just make sure this thing doesn't spread. And I'm sure they take other precautions at the, at the re- arena and everything as well, but yeah, gosh, deja vu all over again with, with this COVID. Yeah, I think I speak for everyone when I say this is not a 2020 Money in the Bank tagline. The risk 
is not worth the reward. Just keep Seth off the show. It doesn't make sense to, to force him in there. Unless, you know, he was going to win the title, as Issa mentioned. Then I understand why they're really trying to emphasize that he's going to be in the match. But a triple threat just seems safer, both, you know, from health precautions and from storyline reasons as well. I'm right there with you, uh, both Raj and Issa. Let's get into AEW Dynamite. Such a packed two hours of wrestling. Guys, I was on the podcast on Monday. Monday Night Raw, three hours long, yet it feels like they did less in 180 minutes than Dynamite did in 120. So much going on in tonight's show with both in-ring action, pre-recorded segments, promos, etc. Let's kick things off with the match that started the show. FTR, Private Party, and Matt Hardy defeated Jurassic Express. Lucha Bros and Christian Cage when there was some miscommunication between Christian and the Lucha Bros. And we did get this to set up a tag team title match next week. Lucha Bros versus Jurassic Express on the first edition of Dynamite over on TBS. Isa, I'll go to you first. I was following along with you on Twitter. The first of many multi-man matchups in tonight's <laughs> show. Did this one land for you? No, no. I, I I feel like once you hit more than six men in a tag match, you lose my attention, and that happened here, especially to open the show. Uh, I know we were talking a little bit off air about how I felt about this show. I think the pacing of it was very weird because you did multi-man, multi-man, then a singles, then you did back-to-back-to-back talking segments, and it just felt like you could have just paced it a little bit differently. And this is one that, even though there was a lot of very good competitors in there, there was too many people. I couldn't keep track of what was going on, and the whole can they coexist? I deal with it on WWE television for so many hours a week that I don't need it here too. So, of course, there's that. Not not a big fan of this match, um, but I'm excited to see Jurassic Express get a tag team title shot. They are the number one contenders according to the rankings, and, I, and I'm curious to see that match with them and the Lucha Bros. Yeah, you know, in general, a lot happened on this show, but at the same time, it felt like something you can kind of skip. Yeah, you know, uh, Chris Jericho did come back. Uh, we, we saw the uh, Mercedes Martinez more or less debut. She, I know, she had a, a few matches in the company uh, a couple of years ago, but, um, but yeah, it, I think just because there were so many multi matches, the Wardlow match uh, was one of the few singles ones, but it was pretty much exactly what they did last week. Um, but yeah, this first one, I mean, it was to set up a, a big match for next week. And next week, I mean, they have loaded that show up. It feels like a like a pay-per-view, basically. Yeah, you mentioned it. The card for next week is absolutely stacked. It does feel like they're trying to bring as many viewers over to TBS. They want to keep this momentum rolling. I'm with you on, on the multi-man stuff. You know, they didn't even address the whole, as WWE always likes to reference what the fans are saying on socials, can they coexist? They did that in this match without addressing it backstage, which I thought was odd because at least when WWE does it, it's like kind of being like self-aware humor per se. This was taken very seriously and I thought it was kind of a cheap tactic to get into next week's title match. They're already the number one contenders. You don't need to have them kind exactly. of messing around a little bit and not you know, being on the same page. I understand it is two face teams and you need to figure out a way to get them against each other. But at the same time, they can still just be on opposite sides of the ring and still have a banger of a match. So yeah, this segment didn't do a lot for me, but uh, it's it's one of many multi-man matchups, as we mentioned, uh, as you mentioned there, Issa, with the pacing, this show continues with another multi-man matchup. Six-man tag, 2.0, and Daniel Garcia defeating 
Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz as we get another super chat. Sophie uh, Dofi saying, can Liam and Issa coexist? I think we're coexisting so far, Issa. So Unless, far. you know, yeah. you, you try to tag in late in this podcast and shift <laughs> things up. I think we're on the same page right now, which is fantastic. One but, quick note about Christian uh, taking the pin in that match. Uh, sure. That was only the second time he got, he's been pinned since he's been in AEW. In and an the, AEW ring, I'm not counting And the first impact. being Omega, right? Uh, yeah, with the first being Omega. That's a, that's a pretty wild note. Yeah, geez. Especially with the first one being a main event of a pay-per-view and this being an opening match on kind of a throwaway dynamite. So, yeah, a good point there about Cage uh, taking his only a second pinfall defeat in AEW. But as for this other six-man tag match, really just kind of set up a little bit of tension between Jericho, Eddie Kingston. I do like the fact that they are – they haven't addressed it straight up, but I do know Kingston and Santana and Ortiz – work together as part of a pseudo LAX in late days of impact wrestling. So I do appreciate that they are kind of, you know, bringing people back together that have proven chemistry, but them not addressing it right off the bat, I think is a little awkward, but at the same time, if they do that, it's too many of the same storylines going on at once with the whole thing with undisputed era and the super click and Adam Cole being in the middle of it. Isa, I'll go to you first. Did this multi-man matchup uh, uh, work for you or was it another miss? No, it was a mess because of the results. I, I personally love Eddie Kingston, love Santana and Ortiz, want to see more from them. So I didn't want to see them in the losing end of this match. Um, I think I've been wanting um, for Santana and Ortiz to be fighting for the tag titles and with them keep losing. I mean, I know it's a trios match, but it's still, they say wins and losses count around here. I don't know about that, but that's what they claim. You know, I don't like seeing them lose. Um, I did like seeing them come together with Eddie Kingston. And I, of course, Jericho music hits. Everybody pops for that. But I just didn't want to see them lose. It feels like they're, I don't know, like they're a little all over the place in the inner circle. And now they're doing this and they're not just going for what they should be going for, which is the tag titles. Raj, how about you? I thought you. Well, I thought the match was super entertaining. Ray Phoenix is just insane. Some of the stuff he was doing in this match was, you know, I mean, I guess that's any Ray, Ray Phoenix match, but he is just he's awesome. So I thought the match itself was was really good. But again, your your big stars here, and I and I get they they don't always want to be two and Daniel Garcia, and they do get beat all the time. So I could see maybe wanting to give him a win, but this didn't feel like the time to do it. And uh, you could have done the same thing with 2.0 attacking them after the loss and then having Jericho come out for the save. So I, I really like the match, but yeah, I just don't think Eddie Kingston and, uh, you know, or Santana Ortiz should be losing. But um, Jericho coming out, I got to say, I think Jericho and uh, Eddie Kingston, that, that could be a really cool feud. Um, for Eddie Kingston to lose, like always. <laughs> I was, you took the words right out of my mouth. Eddie Kingston <laughs> needs a victory. Like, as you mentioned there, Raj, even though he didn't take the pinfall in this match, he would have looked a lot stronger if the beatdown came after the bell and it wasn't just, oh, we got a handful of tights, we got the victory, and now we're beating you up too. Eddie Kingston, as I've mentioned uh, many times before, in all of 2021 on pay-per-view, I don't believe... He's won a match. He lost the TNT title with a match with Miro. He wasn't on Revolution. Sure, he got the main event slot, but we all know how that kind of ended with the final shot. I'd call that a loss, honestly. He lost the tag title match against the Young Bucks with Moxley as his partner. And then his match at this past uh, uh, Full Gear. I CM can't Punk. Even, 
CM Punk, he lost that one too. So like yes. Eddie Kingston, he's a great talker, but talking can only get you so far. You do actually need some W's to back up the words you say. And I don't think he's suffered from that too much, but I'm really hoping that a Jericho feud gives him a main event level talent to get a victory over to really legitimize him moving forward. Issa, do you have any thoughts on that? I just don't see him winning that feud. I mean, if you didn't even let the pinnacle go over the inner circle, I don't know that. I don't know. Maybe I've lost all faith in Eddie Kingston at this point. I'm tired of rooting for him, and he never gets the big win, like you said. Maybe this is it. Um, but I don't know if the inner circle is still a thing. Are they going to allow him to to win? You know, it's, it's, we'll see where it goes. Raj, how about you? Yeah, and, and you know what's crazy is we talk about all those big matches that Eddie Kingston has lost and how over he still is. You know, he, uh, yeah. when he came out, I mean, that, that place went nuts for him. Um, yeah. So, you know, Jericho is one of those guys that Kingston could win that. It doesn't hurt Jericho. He's not going to be in the title picture, I don't think, anytime soon. So um, that's one I feel like they definitely should have Eddie Kingston win. Yeah, and Jericho can take a loss too. He won the feud against MJF. He just won the feud against Dan Lambert and company. I think that there's there's plenty of reason to put uh, Eddie Kingston over Jericho. And I'm actually pretty optimistic that that would be the end result. We did get a super chat here from uh, from Sophie first, uh, a super sticker. Thank you for sending in uh, yet another super chat. But we got one uh, from Chris. Pantaleo, I hope I pronounced that correctly. He says, when does Fox and USA notice that a lot of stars on their network are on a competitor's TV? Investors like that cash WWE brings in, but networks are spending. I believe this is probably in reference to the fact that the main event of this show was, was three guys that were headlining NXT back when NXT was going head-to-head with AEW Dynamite every single Wednesday. And he, Chris brings up a pretty decent point. I know Fox was very upset that WWE wasn't able to re-sign CM Punk, re-sign more, you know, get him back in the company per se, uh, because they had been courting him so long with the WWE backstage role. I think Chris does bring up a, a point worth mentioning. Raj, do you have any thoughts on it? You know, I don't know how many of the like USA network execs were watching NXT or, or paying attention to the Undisputed Era. You, you know what I mean? Um, sure. I think they noticed like a Brock Lesnar leaving or, you know, someone like that or Roman Reigns or Undertaker showing up on the competitors TV. I think a lot of the other guys uh, outside of maybe a Bray Wyatt or, you know, a Jeff Hardy, they're they're probably not going to be people that they really know. So, um, and again, I can't speak for all of them, you know, but they both have a a lot of different uh, people that, you know, Fox and USA are gigantic media conglomerates. They have a bunch of people that work there. But I, you know, I don't think, I don't think most of the names that they've lost so far are ones that they'd be necessarily contacting WWE over. Sure, Issa, how about you? I would answer the question. Fox and USA will start noticing when those guys start moving the needle higher than the WWE shows. That's when they'll notice, and that's not happening yet. So nobody's worried about it. Yeah, and I mean Roman Reigns just got that T-shirt printed, so you know I, I think the needle mover uh, moniker is, is firmly in uh, Titan Towers corner. So yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, it is a question that I definitely think uh, we'll have in the back of our minds moving forward. But as you mentioned, it's more of a long-term, uh, bigger picture question than a week-to-week thing. Uh, moving right. forward with the show, we did get a backstage segment with MJF, more Pinnacle stuff, Wardlow's back there, as well as Sean Spears. 
um the the esquire the manager i I can't believe i'm forgetting his name but the guy who manages jade cargill (laughs) comes in and he's talking about how you know uh wardlow is kind of subject to whatever mjf wants him to do he wants him to be in the face of the revolution ladder match but he needs to pick up some victories he gets a quick squash over colin delaney a longtime wrestler he got a big pop when i went to the aew dynamite in rochester back in september it was for a dark match uh fans recognized him when he came out you know no entrance and whatnot but fans still recognize him and he got some cheers here tonight but he didn't get much offense in he took i believe four power bombs uh and then lost pretty clean as well as taking a chair shot from spears after the bell raj i'll go to you first for this did this backstage segment pinnacle stuff wardlow singles match do anything for you in terms of pinnacle stock or Wardlow stock? And where do you think Wardlow goes from here? Well, I think they're doing a, a great job with Wardlow. Um, you know, I, I I likened it to Batista back in the day with Triple H. And when he finally did the turn and, you know, they, you, you know, they did a slow burn for that. And I think the, the longer you take, the more it's going to be. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a point where you wait too long. But I think uh, letting it simmer. Uh, MJF has other stuff going on. You, you keep having Wardlow look like a monster, teasing that dissension, and I think I think they they're doing doing a great job with him. They're doing Tony's doing old school, you know WWE booking and and WCW booking with Wardlow, where you you get the the monster, you know, a bunch of wins and, and just look dominating. And you know that's been done forever. He's doing it, and I think he's he's doing a good job with it. Issa, how about you? Yeah, I, I enjoy the backstage segment. I love that NJF always has that effect on fans or viewers that you stop and, and watch whenever you see him on the screen and pay attention and listen to what he's saying. And to, to back up Raj, I agree. I love the long-term storytelling they're doing with Wardlow here. Um, it, it's, it's bringing me back to almost Hangman Page and how long it took to pay off that story. I feel like we've been teasing this tension between Wardlow and NJF, but the bigger that you make it and the more that you make him see the injustice, the, the, the bigger the moment is going to be when he finally stands up for himself to MJF. So I'm looking forward to it. I just don't want them to take too long with it, but I'm enjoying, you know, the slow burn of this story. Yeah, you got to imagine Wardlow at some point becomes the roadblock between MJF and the world title because I don't see Wardlow necessarily being a world title contender just yet. I know MJF is very heavily teasing that he wants to go after the belt, but I feel like Wardlow is going to be the man to, to stop him from fulfilling that destiny that we all believe uh, he will eventually get to one day. Moving on with the show, we got another backstage segment, but one that absolutely piqued my interest. The Bucks, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly. I loved this segment for so many reasons, but specifically as someone who's a fan of film franchises and crossovers and whatnot, it's really cool to see wwe lore addressed on aew programming and not beating us over the head with it too they didn't say anything specific but kyle addressed off the bat you know there's things aren't great between us right now but i'm in a new company and this new company is factions 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 i need to surround myself with people i can trust and no matter what's happened the past couple months you know i was trusting this guy for years so i I loved this segment for what it set up for the future and as cheap and uh tropey as it was in the main event which we'll get to later on teasing that tension this worked for me personally raj i'll go to you first how did you feel seeing the undisputed era and super click on the same screen together um i thought it was cool you know i was trying to think of the last time you saw a continuation of one company's storylines uh you know being mentioned on another 
company storylines that aren't working together. And, uh, you know, because the NXT split with Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, and they're, you know, that was Adam Cole's last match. So that was interesting how they did that. It was, it's kind of cool because you don't see it. So, you know, I, I dug it, you know, Undisputed Era together in AEW. I think it, there's that natural match, you know, with Bullet Club or, you know, the click. So uh, I'm, I'm digging it. I think it's cool. Issa, how about you? Yeah, I'm excited for this. I think we all wanted to see Undisputed Era versus the Elite. I hope they do uh, they do it justice and do it long term. I love what they teased even later on in the main event that Adam Cole just still needs the Elite. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. I think it makes it interesting. I, 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 I was a little iffy about, you know, we're going to do the same thing we were seeing on NXT. But this is this looks like complete difference. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the former Undisputed Era comes back together and earn Adam's, Adam's trust without him upsetting the elite this this should be fun it's, it's romantic it's like a love triangle i'm here for it yeah i'm right there with you on both points raj to your point too aew has done stuff before where i remember like a christian cage matt hardy singles match where they're yeah. like oh we've had history before but the difference is that history dates back 15 20 years this is a continuation of a storyline that wrapped up in august like it's it's crazy to see just how close together this stuff is happening and to have it still be fresh in our minds, you know, this Undisputed Era reunion, per se, it's happened, you know, what, nine months after they disbanded this past uh, spring in 2021. So it is it is neat to see uh, not something we're going to get very often because obviously timing of contracts needs to work in order for that to happen. But on top of that, too, sometimes guys, you know, just fall off to the to the lower mid card as they're on their way out. Adam Cole, the difference was. He was in a main event program right before he was on his way out. So the timing is very perfect uh, for this to happen. And I'm glad they're striking while the iron's hot. Moving forward with this show, Dan Lambert, Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, yet another promo. This was a segment that didn't really work for me. Uh, I don't really care much when Dan Lambert is on screen. I thought they did some cheap stuff by getting people to perk up. Uh, you know, if this was your bathroom break segment and you heard from the hall Paul Heyman, you're probably like, oh, what's going on there? Anyways, Brandy Rhodes came out. She interrupted. She called Dan Lambert a less talented Paul Heyman. He said, I prefer Jim Cornette. That's honestly the biggest thing people are going to take away from this promo is that they're just name name dropping buzzwords in terms of pro wrestling. Uh, Issa, I see you already making faces. Dan Lambert, I assume, is not working for you on a weekly basis. Did anything change this week? <laughs> no, I, I hated this, and I wish I knew somebody that could flash me the many black things so I could forget all about it. No more comments on it. <laughs> Raj, any other thoughts? I, you know, I used to, I like Dan Lambert at first. I, I think he's a, a really good talker. Um, but I, don't know, I just feel like the, it, it's wearing thin, uh, the shtick. You know, there's, I feel like there's, a, there's been a little too much of it. Um, and it, it's weird to be using it here because the fans were like cheering him when he's like ripping on Cody. And when Brandy Rhodes came out, they booed her. And, you know, when they did ooh and ah at some of our lines, but they were cheering Dan Lambert all of a sudden and booing Brandy. So I, I don't think that's the reaction you want. So I don't know. I just I just found the whole segment weird. Um, yeah, I, I just thought some of Brandy's lines were just not good. Um, Forced? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then also <laughs> saying the less talented Paul Heyman, it's kind of like when CM Punk said the... Uh, less famous Miz, you're kind of saying WWE has the better versions of those characters when you do that. <laughs> that's a good point. And so I don't think you, that's what you should be doing. Um, 
if she said Jim Cornette, that's one thing because that's not uh, you're not you know saying they're worse than a WWE uh, performer. But yeah, I, I just feel like uh, you don't want your stars seeming to be less than the other companies. Yeah, we won't spend too much more time on this segment, but we did get a, a super chat. Sophie saying, when did you get Tom Holland to be a part of this? That's the first time I've ever gotten a Tom Holland comparison. I usually get Chris Evans, if anyone's familiar with Captain America himself, but I, I appreciate the compliment. He's big in the news cycles these days with his movie making a billion dollars. It's crazy. Uh, how, do you know she a- wasn't, how do you know she wasn't referring to me? Well, you got the beard. <laughs> Tom Holland doesn't have a beard yet, you know? Yeah, I guess uh, he doesn't did- have a beard. We, we didn't get uh, we did get another super chat from stellar Justin Lopez who brings up Brandy Rhodes's open mic night too as yes that was I believe she opened a promo against Jade Cargill sometime in 2020 the same way uh, he said the it was the highlight of this bad show uh, when she goes hood it sounds so forced you can't help but find it hysterical I agree it sounded very very forced and yes yeah I it's awkward too because her getting booed against arguably the biggest like heat magnet in AEW that being Dan Lambert save obviously like an MJF per se but Dan Lambert's always getting crazy booze and then to have him interrupted by someone getting booed even further it just screams bathroom break of a segment so I think Justin Lopez kind of hit the nail on the head here but uh, I can't say it was the highlight of this show uh, for me personally Raj any more thoughts yeah you know you look online and it was pretty polarized people there were People that loved it, and there were—I felt like there were a lot more people that hated it um, online. But uh, you know, it was what it was. That real quick, I got to say something about Justin. Justin uh, sent over some really nice uh, Christmas gifts. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. And he sent over a bottle of Terramana. So uh-huh. uh, maybe, uh, maybe this on this Saturday night, I might have to break <laughs> into that. So. <laughs> <laughs> The Rock's very own. Issa, I, I, I don't even really know if I want to go back to you for this segment because I feel like you just want to move on from Dan Lambert. No, I just want to add up that if you want to make the trying to be hood not seem forced, first of all, you should be able to fight with your high heels on. I know I can. And second of all, she should have taken her hoop earrings off. That's the first thing you do when you're going to fight someone. So I can I can teach her some lessons. She can call me. Sure. Hit up uh, at NYC Demon Diva, uh, Brandy Rhodes, if you're looking for some in-ring tips. Moving forward with this show, we did get another brief promo package for Danielson versus Page Two set for next week. Going to main event that show, I would have to expect. And man, is that a match I am heavily anticipating. Moving forward as well, we get another matchup, arguably the biggest matchup of tonight's show in terms of what was what the consequences were for it. Uh, That being Jade Cargill defeating Thunder Rosa to advance to the TBS title finals, facing off against Ruby Soho for that championship. A pretty competitive match between the two. Both got their chance to shine. Uh, Late in the match, Cargill was selling a knee injury that I actually bought as a viewer. So I think she did her job pretty well, Um, you know, mixed in with the fact that she is fairly inexperienced. I know she's been wrestling for a while now, at least in the calendar year. But I thought, you know, maybe there was a chance that she actually legitimately got hurt. But, you know, just good selling on her part. Uh, Late in the match, we get a crew member attacking Thunder Rosa, allowing for Cargill to pick up the victory. After the bell, we get it to be revealed to be none other than Mercedes Martinez was released by WWE this past August. And then Ruby Soho made the save to send the heels running to the back. Raj, what did you think of this match as a whole? And what do you think about Mercedes Martinez being in AEW? Um, you know, I thought it was, you know, Jade Cargill. I think she keeps getting better and better. I thought she, uh, 
you know, she improved. I thought it went a little too long uh, because she is so green. I, I don't think it needed to go this long. Uh, I think the longer you go with someone that's so green, the more the chances they have to get exposed. And I think right. you just want to keep it shorter. And so I thought it went too long. But outside of that, you know, the Jade uh, Mercedes Martinez thing, I find it intriguing. So, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was cool and a, a cool way to bring um, bring bring in Mercedes. Issa, how about you? Yeah, um, I agree with Raj. I think it did go a little too long. You don't want to expose um, Jade. And and you have her in there with a pro. I think Thunder Rosa is so talented. That really made her look good. But there's only so long that you can do that for. I did buy the knee injury, just like you did, Liam. Mm -hmm. I thought for a second, is she actually really hurt? And I'm a big Thunder Rosa fan. I think Thunder Rosa belongs in the world title picture, not the TBS title picture. So I appreciated something going on for her to lose the match instead of her losing clean to to jade i i have respect for that finish because i do think thunder rosa deserves that yeah and I, i'll ask another question here on top of what you were bringing up isa the fact that jade cargill raj you're mentioning it too being kind of green and potentially being exposed in this match she obviously has a ton of momentum right now do you put the title on her if she feels still green or do you go with Ruby Soho instead, do they pull a situation with someone like a Lance Archer who had such a dominant run throughout the TNT title tournament, ultimately lose in the finals to Cody Rhodes where you would think, oh, well, he had such a dominant tournament run. He'll come out looking strong. Obviously, Lance Archer hasn't been as dominant as he was back during that tournament. So Raj, I'll go to you first. Do you think Jade Cargill, it makes sense to put the title on her? And do you risk losing all of her, all of her momentum if she doesn't come out on top in this tourney? Yeah, that's kind of, I just feel her losing, it just kind of takes some of the shine off of it. I think they've been doing a great job building her up. Um, and I mean, Ruby Soho, you know, she did have uh, she did have a lot of buzz coming in. I feel like that's kind of subsided. Um, I, I'd go with Jade. I feel like it's something new. I think it's interesting. Um, again, I wouldn't put her in a bunch of long matches right off the bat. Uh, just keep letting her get experience. But I, I'd go with Jade. Issa, how about you? Yeah, I think, I mean, I really like Ruby Soho, but I think I will go with Jade. It's something different. It's something new. And they have been mentioning that she's undefeated. So I don't know that Ruby has the momentum to be the first one that gets that win. I think she could get that momentum. Um, that being said, you also played an angle here that if you don't want to go with Jade, something else can go on. Somebody can cost her the match because of her getting into this partnership with Mercedes Martinez. But ultimately, I would like to see Jade win it. I just hope that this becomes like a weekly defended title and she gets more reps in there, even if we're just giving her squash matches at first. Um, because she obviously, I mean, she has the look. She, she, she has everything. We just need to give her a little more experience and this could help her. Yeah, absolutely. And we have seen, too, I believe there was a Ruby Soho package either tonight or in a previous Dynamite really selling the fact that this tournament has been grueling for her. It's taken a toll on her physically. Yes. I think there is a way for her to lose to Jade Cargill clean and fairly quickly, too, without making her look too weak. Emphasize the fact that she's been putting in work throughout this tournament and it has taken a toll on her physically. That way, she still leaves looking like a great, uh, resilient baby face. And Jade Cargill looks like a dominant champ. And you protect her uh, moving forward with that title. And I'm right there with you, Isai. I do hope it becomes a weekly defended basis, similar to the TNT title. Not just for what it can do for the champion, but bringing in challengers, giving that women's division even more spotlight, highlighting names that maybe only are on dark. 
someone like a Diamante who has recently been showcased on the YouTube shows, right. getting her some TV time, just food for thought. I think it'd be cool. Yeah, I agree. And and to your to your point, Raj, also, um, I was watching it with my mom, who's a huge wrestling fan, but she only watches WWE. So since I've been home, I've been kind of making her watch AEW. And Jade has it. It made her stop. It made her husband stop. Everybody stop and go like, who is she? We've never seen her before. And they started asking me. And I'm like, okay, we're an hour into the show. And this is the first person you inquire about. So she must have that special it factor that will make the casual viewer stop and, and find out more about her. Yeah, she looks like a like a Marvel character, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, she looks good. Uh, it just looks like a superstar, you know. Mm -hmm. It just kind of jumps off the screen. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Right there with you guys. Uh, moving forward, uh, Sophie also mentioned. So, so not Tom Holland. Raj looks like, I believe she also sent in another one saying Wong. Wong. Uh, okay. Yeah, you got a little bit of a, a Benedict Wong going on with, with the, the hair and whatnot. He doesn't have a beard yet, though, so who knows? Yeah. A future installment. Uh, moving forward with this show, we got what I thought was going to be our penultimate segment, but this is when the pacing, as you mentioned, Issa, really just kicked into full gear and I thought kind of stumbled along the way to the finish line, that being the main event uh, matchup. We got a CM Punk promo. He got in the ring. Uh, he gave props to JR. He gave props uh, to the late Brody Lee, who obviously the anniversary of his passing was this past week. Rest in peace, Brody. Uh, I put in my notes, I just love CM Punk's hoodie. I, I don't know what it is, just the pattern that's going on. I wanted one of those. I was like, I'm going to find where he where he bought that and add it to my online shopping cart. Um, but he mentions that he's going to go after the title and MJF's is kind of in his rear view and he's not worth his, his time. Do you think that this means we're not going to get a singles match between the two at least on television or maybe they save it for a revolution type thing? Or... Do they kind of meet naturally in a, a tournament um, to to crown a number one contender? Raj, I'll go to you first. What do you think the future of CM Punk's AEW storylines are? Well, I, I think it's they've got to do MJF. But, you know, I was wondering how do you because to me, CM Punk versus MJF should be a pay-per-view match. And their mm -hmm. next pay-per-view is until March. And it's like they're going 110 miles per hour already. I, you know, how do you keep that going until... Uh, until March. So I kind of like the idea of kind of putting it on the back burner for like a month or so and then then getting back to it. So that way you're not doing all the big angles early. So uh, they're definitely, you know, they're definitely not done with Punk and MJF, I wouldn't think. So, um, so I like that. I wonder, you know, I wonder where you go with the world title. Do you have MJF beat Hangman Page? And then that makes CM Punk the next number one contender, and you get to that match that way. Uh, is it too soon to beat Hangman Page? Because AEW doesn't like doing those quick world title changes. So uh, I'm interested to see where they go with that. But um, th that's my thoughts: is that they're just slowing it, slowing it down until until they get back to it. You know, like a month or so. Isa, any other thoughts? Yeah, I think CM Punk is just afraid to admit that he doesn't have the cardio to keep up with MJF. We saw it last week. They were running each other. He couldn't catch him. So why would he want to wrestle him if he can't even, you know, catch him in a run? So <laughs> I want to see the match. Um, I, I was looking forward to it. This was probably my favorite promo segment of the entire year between the two of them. But yes, I agree. This is a pay-per-view match. And I like the idea of 
keeping it, you know, apart and finding a way to to bring them back together. I appreciated how they didn't have them touch last week because I remember um, when that happened with Omega and Hangman Page, and then they had that match on that episode of Dynamite. And I hated everything about having to see them, even though it was a tag match, interact and and fight. So I I appreciated how they did that. We'll see how they bring them back together, but I do want to see that fight. If you're not ready to have CM Punk lose, then don't do it because I do want to see MJF go over CM Punk. Yeah. Did you uh, did you guys catch that line where he called MJF a bigger waste of con money than Tim Tebow? Tim Tebow. Yep. <laughs> I was I was hoping he was going to say Urban Meyer, but I think, I think that's, that's probably what he wanted to say. <laughs> a little too <laughs> too controversial. Tebow was cut during training camp, so if, yeah, it's not. That... Like, and but it's a weird line because Tebow didn't really cost a lot of money. You know, he was <laughs> he didn't make the team. So um, yeah, but Urban Meyer, it's it's kind of like you got to substitute, you know, Urban Meyer in there, and I think that's what he probably wanted to say. Mm-hmm. He also had a great line calling back to, I believe, the pipe bomb when he's like, uh, "In this ring, uh, on this microphone, even at commentary, nobody can touch me." And I that line jumped out at me because I've watched the pipe bomb probably eight hundred times on YouTube, and uh, it's always fun whenever he references back to it uh kieran george sends in the super chat i'd be down for punk versus danielson for the title next year in a stadium i don't know if aew is ready to run stadium shows as early as next year but man is punk versus danielson an absolute money matchup especially when you can bring in their ring of honor history they're obviously not gonna be allowed to use footage of their wwe title feud in uh, i believe it was 2012 at like the over the limits money in the banks and whatnot uh, but yeah, that would be a pretty big money matchup. Raj, do you have any thoughts on that? I, I'd rather they went with something else like Punk versus Omega um, for a stadium show. I, I just feel like it just, uh, I'd, I'd rather have one of the more AEW made stars um, than two WWE guys. I, you know, look, I, I definitely love to see Punk versus Danielson. It's obviously going to be a huge match, but think when you're doing a stadium show, you want some of your homegrown guys uh, in that Very good point. in that top spot. Isa, any thoughts? Yeah, I think they've done a good job with paid, um, pairing up somebody that you know against somebody who you should know. And I think they should continue to do that, um, especially if you're trying to bring in newer viewers. I think getting us matches that we've seen before or that came from a different company is just going to make them look like a WWE reject song and we don't want that for AEW. We want it to be an alternative. Um, but I, 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 I would love to see the match. I just hope that if they do a stadium show, it's main evented by somebody that's considered one of the pillars or one of the original AEW guys. Yeah, I think that's strong analysis on, on both fronts and I do think that that's a match they have in their back pocket. Whether or not it needs to be for the title, I don't think is completely necessary. I think they would uh, pair well, just as well as just a standard singles match. Uh, moving forward with this show, we got a couple more segments. Hikaru Shida, a pre-recorded package, calling out Serena Deeb for a rematch. That's a match I'm looking forward to. I thought that that's one of the better um, kind of blood feuds um, in AEW's women's division. A lot of their big feuds center around the title, so it's nice to see something between two women that doesn't have to have a piece of gold in between them that I'm genuinely interested in as a viewer. And Serena Deeb, man, is on quite the run of her career right now. Uh, I think she she's due for a pretty big 2022. And I'm looking forward to this match. Sheeta and Deeb, I thought, tore the house down the first time, and I want to see them lock up again. Issa, any thoughts on a potential Sheeta-Deeb rematch? I can't wait to see it. I love their first match. I'm with you on everything that you said. I I thought they killed it, and it was awesome to see a a, a fresh feud, you know, like you said, just 
not for a title, just a real feud in the women's division. And they had an excellent match. Let's run it again. Raj? Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, anytime they're in the ring together, it's awesome. So we're definitely down to see that again. Yeah. Moving forward with the show, Brian Pillman Jr. comes out for a promo. Says he wants Malachi Black. He wants to step into the House of Black. Uh, Malachi Black interrupts shortly after. Kind of stares at him from the ramp. The lights go out and then he disappears, but the lights come back on and we see him walking to the back. And I know no one actually thinks he can teleport, but just suspending what? our disbelief is tough. I, th- I, thought <laughs> I know, he could. right? I know. This is this is the moment where at pro wrestling the illusion has been shattered for Issa. But seeing that moment, just a small uh visual cue, I thought kind of took me out of the segment a little bit. I was half expecting when the lights came back on. For Malachi to be off the ramp and for Brody King to be in the ring and have him attack Brian Pillman Jr. But on a show that, as we've all mentioned, felt pretty lackluster overall. And when you have Mercedes Martinez debuting, even though it didn't get a great pop, you know, you definitely want to spread out your debuts. And if and when Brody King does show up, which I feel like is just a matter of time, I feel like you got to up the pageantry and not have it be just kind of a filler segment between um, the the uh, punk promo and the undisputed era uh, match in the main event. Raj, did you have any thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it just said Pillman's the next to to get destroyed by Malachi, but you know, but um, yeah, I, nothing else really. I thought you know Malachi. It's always cool to watch him. I think um, you know his entrance and everything is always uh, just really cool. So. You know, I, Brody King and the Briscoes, I'm sure a lot of the fans that go to the arena know who they are, but I, I just don't know how many people watching on TV would know who they are, you know, without watching the right. show. Like, do you almost need to do vignettes or introduce them some other way as opposed to just some in-ring surprise? Um, just because they're, you know, let's, they've never been on the big, you know, on a major show. Yeah, I hear you with that analysis. My my one uh, devil's advocate that I will play is Brody King, uh, similar to Kyle O'Reilly, has such a natural integration into current AEW storylines, him obviously being the PWG tag partner of Malachi Black, Kyle O'Reilly having history with Adam Cole and Bobby Fish, and it seemed like they were building up to that naturally when he did debut. There are other free agents, though, that I look at, like a Briscoe's, where it's like, do you bring them in? have that big pop and then they immediately get lost in the shuffle. So I think it is something to, to be self-aware of when it comes to bringing in big free agents. But I think someone like a Brody King would fit very naturally and make the house of black a legitimate stable. Cause it seems like that's the direction they want to go in. Uh, Isa, did this segment work for you? Uh, not necessarily. I got taken out just like you did when we saw that visual. And I was paying a lot of attention to my mom's reaction because I always just, when I'm watching with somebody that doesn't watch the way that we do weekly and is aware of everything going on, I always enjoy seeing what gets their attention. And at this point, my mom was saying that this show, it seemed like they talk too much. And she started comparing it to last Monday Night Raw, which, you know, we got a lot of video packages and a lot of promos. So I, I, I kind of agree with her. I wish they would have spaced out the back-to-back talking segments because punk kind of talk for a long time and then we got this um so it kind of like stall in the in-ring action aspect of things yeah i'm right there with you uh one more segment before we get into the main event match uh one that i did kind of gloss over uh sammy guevara came out did his whole cue card thing did kind of rub me the wrong way uh he brought out the cue cards and said of all the people he's beat bobby fish ethan page jay lethal tony niece 
and said his New Year's resolution is to finally beat Cody Rhodes, uh, a victory that's eluded him his entire AEW career. I say it rubbed me the wrong way because I never like when guys lose the title one week prior and then come out and are still all smiles and trying to pop the crowd and everything. I get it that people move on from matches and it's on to the next one. But it reminded me a little bit, like this is a very, a very big uh, comparison, but Kofi Kingston, the week after losing to Brock Lesnar, just throwing pancakes to the crowd and not being bothered whatsoever. If I was Sammy Guevara, I'd be pissed. I, I wouldn't want to yes. be like showing cue cards and, and cheering on the crowd and everything and being like, oh, I'm going to beat Cody Rhodes eventually. Don't you worry, guys. As someone who loves Sammy Guevara, uh, I really wish that uh, he... he took the loss a little bit more seriously. Uh, am I crazy for thinking that? Raj, I'll go to you first. No, I agree with you 100%. You know, I think we should have seen a little bit different, a uh, little different aspect of his character here. And, and to your point, him being pissed would have been perfect. Um, him wrestling a, a short match and being just way more aggressive, you know, something like that, I think would have would have worked better. But I agree. All of a sudden, he's back to his old happy-go-lucky uh, I'm fooling around with cue card stuff. Uh, it just felt it felt like a step down. Isa, any thoughts? Yeah, I I thought that this could be. I didn't like because AEW takes such pride on having longer title reigns. Um, I I believe this was probably the shortest TNT title reign that we've seen, if I'm not mistaken, or one of their all-time shorter title ring. So at this point, I would assume that this could be a way for Sammy Guevara to reinvent himself, come back with a vengeance and, and try to, you know, get revenge. Um, so I, I, yeah, I don't want to see him come out, smile and not care about the fact that he lost the title. He should be pretty upset about it, especially in a company where title rings, you know, seem to last a long time. Yeah. One of the cue cards even said, uh, like I held it for three months, like, okay. Like, that's not that long. <laughs> like, that's right. a, a quarter of a year, you know? Like, I, I don't think that that's warrant, that warrants uh, the, the pride that he was evoking, per se. So uh, here's hoping for a little bit of an edgier Sammy Guevara moving forward, because I know, we all know he has it in him. When he first started in AEW, he was cocky. He was brash when the inner circle were full-on heels. He, he had that edge to him. So I'm hoping he gets it back moving forward. We get into our main event now, a pretty big yeah, matchup. Uh, I pray we get John Garage on Friday. Zook Enigma says, "Smackdown." I, I don't know what's what's in the cards, but uh, maybe maybe some some glasses of wine. We get wine drunk garage. So I, 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 I this is uh, in the chat earlier tonight. Uh, we actually do not have a podcast this Friday night for New Year's Eve. Um, we this is the last one until Saturday when we have the day one pay per view podcast. So yeah, no podcast this Friday night. So sorry guys, you're not going to get that. But please, please I'm... let us have the night off, please. You know, some <laughs> of us work on Fridays and would like to have the night off, especially because we will be podcasting at midnight in Puerto Rico. So I, I don't know that that would be a good idea. <laughs> All you'll hear is going to be fireworks. <laughs> yeah, plus SmackDown is a recap show. Um, yeah. Yeah, Rampage will be a, a new episode, but uh, we'll, we'll cover those matches on the Saturday podcast. Yeah, good points all around. Yeah, definitely, you know, enjoy your New Year's Eve. Uh, SmackDown being a recap show doesn't really feel like necessary viewing before day one. Moving forward uh, into our main event now, uh, Undisputed Era, as I, I keep referring to them. I know that they're not technically called <laughs> Undisputed Era, but Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly defeated Best Friends and Orange Cassidy. A lot happening in this match. Really cool to see Fish and O'Reilly branded as Red Dragon once again. I believe that name was mentioned on NXT commentary a couple of times, but they were never given the graphic of 
Red Dragon here. The Titan Tron had everything going on, same theme as they had in Ring of Honor, which I thought was really cool. And man, these guys just have great chemistry. And it was shown throughout this bout uh, late in the match, as we alluded to earlier in this podcast, O'Reilly inadvertently kicks Adam Cole. It's a trope that's been done in wrestling so many times, but it worked for me because I do want to plant those seeds of distrust, especially when you have the Young Bucks get involved. They super kicked the best friends. They helped Adam Cole. Raj, Issa, one of you mentioned that it shows that Adam Cole still needs the elite by his side. And I thought the timing was just great in terms of they come to his aid when O'Reilly inadvertently kicked him and they drum up the fact of, why did you do that? You're, you're the new guy here. What's going on? Can we uh, uh, trust you and whatnot? Uh, and that kind of closed AEW Dynamite. The super click on the outside, looking in at Red Dragon, celebrating the victory, but some distrust in the waters. Raj, I'll go to you first. This main event matchup between the Undisputed Era, Best Friends, and Orange Cassidy. Did you like it? And if so, has it gotten your interest in whatever this storyline is moving forward? Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really good. I liked the storyline. I thought the match was good. I think they were off in a couple spots, but um outside of that, I thought the the match was was strong. It's going to take me a while to stop calling them the undisputed era. Like it, I still every now and then will say Daniel Bryan. It's, you know, it, it, it can take a while, but I thought they looked great. And um, yeah, I'm curious to see where they go. I, I, I do like Adam Cole with the elite better than I do him with undisputed era. And, but him without the undisputed era doesn't make this, doesn't feel like it would work. You know, just red dragon, uh, going after the young bucks, it it misses it, it misses the star power without Adam Cole. So I'm, I'm curious to see where they go. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I I do think that it is awkward to have Cole side with UE in this situation with Red Dragon uh, because you do need the the numbers to just kind of even out for this six man tag to eventually happen between the elite uh, Omega and the Bucks versus Undisputed Era. But yeah, I, I do enjoy the super click together more just because it's fresh. You know, we, we've gotten Undisputed right. Era together for almost four consecutive years and seeing uh, the super click back together for the first time in what I believe like five years has been refreshing and I've enjoyed them on screen together. Issa, our, our final multi-man match of the night. Was this <laughs> the one that uh, you were you were happy to watch? Yeah, I, 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 I like the story that they're teasing. Like Rush, I do like Adam Cole with the Elite a little bit more. I love the story. And, and as somebody that watched, you know, being the Elite, it just makes sense for him to be with them. But um, th- this match was fun. There was a couple of spots that I was, you know, kind of like scratching my head. But overall, the story that was told, like when the Young Bucks came out, I said, okay, we're not just going to completely drag Cole away and put him with the, I keep calling them the Undisputed Elite, by the way. That's my <laughs> new name for them. Um, you know, we're not going to just completely forget that he reunited with the elite. This is still going to be a thing. And if he pays off long term, we'll see what it goes. But I did think it was fun. Overall, I just I just thought the show was multi-man heavy, you know, open with two, close with one. I wish they would have just, again, pasted differently. Um, but overall, this was fun. And I just want to see Adam Cole do a little bit more. And I think that he's doing 
what feels similar to what he did in NXT. And if you go back and look at the three big moments that we had at All Out, because that's when I feel AEW had the most momentum going for itself as a company. You look at CM Punk with his feud with MJF. You look at um, Brian and what he's done since he arrived. I feel like Adam Cole has been the slowest out of those three big things that were talked about leaving All Out. So I just want to see a little bit more for him. But I thought this was fun. And of course, it's, these three guys, it's always fun to see them together. Yeah, and the big thing too with Adam Cole uh, and Sophie sends in another super chat. Uh, shouting out uh, Issa's dog, Roman, the cutest one on here. I can't disagree yeah. with that. Liam, you uh, haven't formally met Roman, so here you go. Roman, the big dog. There you go. I love it. Uh, Piper is asleep upstairs, but she'll I have know, to make I was about a cameo. to grab Lexi and we can have it out. Yeah, eventually, <laughs> yeah, the, three, the, the hounds of justice will get them on the podcast <laughs> eventually. Patent pending on that one. Um, I'm right there with you, Issa. The, the feuds Adam Cole has had. It's interesting because Jurassic Express, best friends, technically, they're kind of supposed to be like comedy teams, not necessarily full comedy, but, right. you know, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy on paper should be a silly act. And they've taken themselves a lot more seriously. Same thing with Orange Cassidy. He's a comedy wrestler, but he was in a title match seven months ago and it genuinely felt natural. So right. Cole mixing up with guys who, who do feel middle of the pack because of the nature of their gimmicks, I do feel has stalled his momentum a tiny bit. But, you know, I look back to how Miro entered the company, just having like, no momentum whatsoever, and then having to basically get repackaged in order to gain back any steam. I think Adam Cole's in a good spot right now, and I like that they're doing a bit of a slow burn storyline with him. Uh, Raj, do you think Adam Cole's getting necessarily, not necessarily lost in the shuffle, but do you think he's in a good spot on the card right now? Yeah, you know, he's being featured regularly. Um, he wasn't the star that CM Punk or Brian Danielson were uh, coming in. So um, he, I mean, he definitely has all the potential to be, but he, he didn't, he wasn't coming in. He was, you know, as far as the, the ranking of those three, he was n number three. Uh, so, you know, it's getting him familiar with the audience um, and yeah, getting him in the storyline with the top, you know, the top guys. So I, I think he's, he, he's probably where he should be right now. And, you know, you see so many guys getting lost in the shuffle and, uh, and he's, uh, he's on there every week. So uh, I think he's in a good spot. Yeah. One final thought about this main event match. Aaron Mixon's in a super chat saying, does Johnny Gargano come in and takes Cole's spot with fish and Kyle? He brings up an interesting point, but then I think you're really leaning into the fact that, it's team NXT kind of versus team elite because Gargano doesn't necessarily have any history uh, with uh, fish and O'Reilly. Um, it's an interesting uh, uh, point to bring up, but I don't know if I'd necessarily before this Issa, any thoughts on, on Gargano getting involved in this elite undisputed era warfare? I mean, I think it sounds interesting, but I can see uh, Gargano just going into like an individual, you know, if he even does come to AEW, I, I don't know. I still can see Gargano going back to WWE. We'll see what happens, but I, it would be interesting. I'd rather just see him as a singles wrestler, but, you know, there are some people that have gotten lost in the shuffle. I don't lose hope because you brought up the perfect example, Miro, but when I look at former NXT champions, I look at somebody like Andrade who I thought was going to just be doing something so much more different than what he's not doing right now, because you, we don't even see him anymore. I started to feel that way about Malachi Black, but at least he's being featured every week and in interesting fields. We'll see what happens there. But I do think Adam Cole is in a better position than other 
of the people that have come in. Raj, any yeah. thoughts on Gargano fitting into AEW plans? I, I, I could see him there for sure. Um, you know, when, you know, tonight when they said we're going to go as long as it takes, which I, I can't remember them ever doing that on TNT. Uh, if they have, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So I almost thought there was going to be some surprise at the end. And then the only surprise I could think of was Johnny Gargano because Bray Wyatt doesn't fit um, for with those guys right now. Um, so, yeah, so that's that was kind of where, where my mind was was going when they said that. But um, I, to, to ease this point, I think it just gets too NXT clickish versus the elite. And I, I just feel like it, it loses a spark without Adam Cole. So I'd like to see Johnny Gargano. If he comes in, he does his own thing, does something else uh, and is away from Red Dragon. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Gargano would be great for a TNT open title uh, challenge, but I kind of worry about him showing up in AEW because he's someone who doesn't naturally have a faction to join. And that's the name of the game with AEW. Everyone needs some sort of allegiance somewhere to fit in on the card. So I think it's awkward. And I think Johnny Gargano will obviously be learning a lot more about his pro wrestling future as the weeks and months go on obc champ or ob champ 312 uh brings up young bucks versus red dragon in an adam cole yes. on a pole match i've seen i've seen the meme everywhere of uh, a custody of adam cole ladder match you know bring back that stipulation from early i told you it was romantic i told you it was romantic i also gonna need brit baker to just step in the same way adam cole gets jealous about tony shabani i need i need brit baker to make sure they know he's hers <laughs> <laughs> yeah make make the love triangle a, a love square I, I think you know just get as many pieces of the puzzle moving forward <laughs> that's AEW dynamite guys uh the i don't even want to say the go home show but it is kind of the go home show for a big tv dynamite next week that being the debut on TV. No, Liam, it is the go-home show for 2021. Ah, there we go. Thank you, Isha. <laughs> uh, the the go-home show for 2021, uh, I think we can all agree, kind of went out a little bit with a whimper. There is stuff to love on this show, but overall, pacing a little awkward. Um, did you guys enjoy the show overall? Isa, I'll go to you first. Uh, it was it was enjoyable television for a night home. Like, you know, it's not something, if somebody asked me, do I need to go back and watch it? I will probably just tell them to watch Thunder Rosa and Jay just because of Mercedes showing up. Everything else, I feel yeah. like you can just watch it on the highlights. So it wasn't must-watch television, but it was entertaining. We're pacing. That will be my complaint about tonight's show. Raj, how about you? Yeah, same. I, I was never bored at all during the show. It was... Um, they put a lot in there, so it it, it moved fast. It, it moved quickly. Uh, it didn't feel like a very important show to me, but it it was entertaining. So, um, yeah, if if you missed it, the highlights you'll you'll catch it all. Um, this isn't one of those like other weeks where I'm like you you definitely have to see it. This right. this one, if you have the time to check it out. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I don't think this show was memorable by any means but i think i think we'll look back on it next week at least and say it was an appropriate change of pace because next week i believe we're gonna hit the full gear in terms of just match quality big stakes happening and maybe even some massive storyline implications moving forward well one thing we're forgetting i don't i don't know if it was mentioned on the show tonight but battle of the belts is a week from saturday right oh yeah is it and 
Yeah, I think it's a week from Saturday. <laughs> like, I should be knowing this. I, I'm, I'm pretty positive it's a week from Saturday because they got. Uh, are you checking it, Liam? Yeah, I'm, I'm, the research department is on it right now. Yeah, Saturday, <laughs> January, January eighth. Yeah. So oh, you got, yeah, you're right. Yeah, immediately uh, following uh, the big edition of AEW Dynamite. So yeah, that is that is interesting timing. Yeah, and just uh, it wasn't really mentioned. And I, I get that they want the big rating, the, the big show to be Dynamite next week. And I'm sure on that show, they'll be plugging Battle of the Belts hard. But next week, we got Dynamite, one of their biggest shows uh, that they've done for Dynamite. Then you got Rampage on Friday and then Battle of the Belts on Saturday. So that's... Well, they have three shows to kind of like play with and mention it. Sure. I think so. They were probably just trying to plug in next week. But you're right, because until you just brought it up, I had completely forgotten about it. And I see people in the chat saying that it was mentioned. I don't recall it being mentioned. So, uh, but they do have three shows between here and the 8th to, you know, to kind of like plug it in and push it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you know, it being mentioned on commentary isn't the same as getting those big match graphics and whatnot. Battle of the Belts next Saturday, January 8th. Like, not having that big visual cue on screen is going to make people forget about it. So, it's a great point you bring up, Raj. And I think, you know, that's a show that could get lost in the shuffle, but I think it's too early to judge because we have to see what unfolds next week on both Dynamite and Rampage and this Friday on rampage all of our socials are below if you're looking to check us out uh over on twitter instagram what have you raj running things at wrestling inc i, I tossed to you on monday to, to plug anything you have going on but i feel like it's just kind of wrestling inc yeah yeah check out wrestling inc and a lot of people bringing up yeah this tonight is our last podcast of the year so thank you guys for for just you know I, I've said this many times before, but thanks for always tuning in and joining us. I feel like, you know, especially with the people in the chat, it feels like a community, not just, you know, uh, us talking. And so we really enjoy it. And, and I just want to thank you guys so much for, for what a great year um, you guys have made this. And, and here's to another great one next year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Even as the new guy, I'm already feeling this community, which is really, really special. Uh, and I love I love everyone showing up in the chat and showing love. Uh, Isa, any closing show remarks, any closing year remarks on this last podcast of 2021? No, I just joined Wrestling Inc. I think it was about 10 months ago and I'm loving it. And, and Raj is absolutely right. It's a community and it's just so much fun. I always see some people from the community show up on my own chat, on my own channel, and it always just makes me so happy. I've been having fun and here's to continue to do it. And thank you, Raj, for letting us come in here and talk wrestling on your platform. Yeah, well, thank you all in the chat. Thank you, uh, Tuck Graff, uh, Ricky Zaldivar, Peter Bahi, uh, all these people, Sophie Dofi, all these people sending... Uh, Awesome uh, messages in the chat. Really appreciate it. So uh, thank you. And Isa, you've been fantastic. Liam, you as well. So here's to doing this a lot more uh, next year. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll Yay. see you next time.